Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Happy New Year! Oh my goodness, it is 2023 and I am all here for it. Welcome 2023. As we are entering in the new year, I want to make sure that you have joined the Travel Club so that you can join us to some fabulous destinations. You want to connect with us on social media and make sure that you're the first to know when we're on the go. I also like to see what you're doing and hear from you on social media as well. So again, Happy New Year. I hope you're holiday and your New Year celebrations were joyful and wishing you a happy, healthy, and prosperous 2023. And especially one that includes adventure, exploration, time off, boarding passes, and travel. So in keeping with tradition, today I'm looking in the rearview mirror to recount travel of 2022. We'll look at the top news stories, we'll revisit our adventures, and see how our predicted travel trends played out. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. Culture Report, we're talking about the traditions and the culture of New Year's resolutions. But right now, I've got a little travel news. Twenty twenty two went out with a bang as travel disruptions were caused by a winter storm that wreaked havoc on flights and the road from the Midwest all the way to the East Coast. Following the winter storm, Southwest Airlines had a storm of its own with a complete meltdown of service that ruined many holiday spirits. Joining me today is executive producer Gene Harley. Hello, Gene, and welcome back to Traveling Culturati. Hi, Javon. Happy New Year. It's always great to be here. Yes, Happy New Year. And we have some stories to tell of our own. But before we get to that, let's start with the winter storms and weather. If it wasn't snowing, we were in a deep freeze. And if we weren't in a deep freeze, the high winds were blowing and we had power outages. We had just about everything that they called a bomb cyclone, which really just fell at the wrong time because weather and temperatures were pretty mild up until that time. <laughs> That's so true. 60% of the nation fell under a freeze so with wind chill factors minus 70 in some areas. And amazingly, the weather temperature dropped as much as 50 degrees in one hour. That's what was really amazing. I think that we hadn't seen that, I don't think, in our lifetime. Even the South saw colder than normal temperatures, flooding in Atlanta and pipes bursting. And this was just happening all over the country, it seemed. The iguanas falling out of the trees because of the cold in Florida. And even at the Mexican border, people happened to put on pockets because it was in the upper 30s. Yeah, that's very cold. Yes. Well, back to that wild winter storm that gave us blizzards, freezing rain, flooding, life-threatening cold. And it just created mayhem for travel 
during the holidays. Here in Chicago, I left a week ahead of you, but right after I left, you were dealing with some below zero temperatures. That's right. Um, Minus degree temperatures all over the area and winds gusting. I think Lake Michigan actually froze up in less than one day, which is kind of odd to see. The wind is getting on and the temperatures are coming back. I feel for places like Buffalo and along the eastern side of the Great Lakes where snow accumulation was in the feet, not in the inches. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about Buffalo a little bit later because Buffalo had its own storm that surpassed the storm that the rest of the country was dealing with. But we had downed power lines and highways. So whether you were in the air or on the road, your travel was affected. And unfortunately, so many lives were lost, and especially over this time. But about 60% of the U.S. population faced some sort of winter weather advisory or warning. And again, at such a time, the frigid temperatures and the winds millions of Americans were preparing to travel ahead of Christmas and more than 5,700 flights into or out of the United States were canceled the Friday before Christmas. And this is according to Flight Aware. And then multiple highways were closed and there were crashes along these highways. Anywhere from along the Ohio Turnpike, there was a 50 vehicle pile up. Kansas City, Missouri, all of these places. And it, it, it was just maddening, really. And again, you're talking about the busiest time of the year and the first year since the pandemic that we were at pre-pandemic, if not having more than the pre-pandemic travel levels during this period. Yeah, that's true. And as people came back to travel, there weren't too many options because most of us experienced it. And I know a lot of you are saying, yeah, you don't know, but we, are, we do all understand If you couldn't get on a plane, you probably couldn't get on a train. You probably couldn't get into a car and drive anywhere. I know personally, I looked at all options and highways and roads were blocked. Things were frozen over and the options were very limited this holiday season. Yes. And let's talk about Buffalo. And then I want to give you the opportunity to share your experience on December 23rd when all of this was happening and Southwest, because we're going to talk about the meltdown of Southwest as well. So Buffalo having its own storm, because remember, they had a storm that came in November and they handled it very well because Buffalo is used to handling epic snowstorms. But this one even crippled Buffalo. Yeah, that's true. They reached their maximum limit of snow, nearly 100 inches in just a couple of months already. And the season's just starting. It's going to get worse as we get through February. And they tried their best, but they were having snow coming down in feet per hour and not just in inches per hour. And that's more than anybody can handle. Being on the eastern side of the Great Lakes, they got just everything going against some cold temperatures, moisture in the air, and basically a standstill of a storm that just stood over Buffalo. And it caught people mid-traffic where it came in so heavy and so fast that their car couldn't move anymore and cars were just abandoned in the middle of the street, which is very unusual to happen in Buffalo. And they're comparing it to the famous blizzard of 1977 that occurred in Buffalo. And it has exceeded the death toll of that. It exceeded the crippling 
of it as well, because not only was it that heavy snowfall, but it was dangerously low temperatures where people were just caught right in the middle of it and widespread outages. The storm and the travel in the U.S. during that busy holiday season or period with more than 5,000 flights canceled by the Friday before Christmas, more than 3,400 flights canceled that Saturday, and then more than 3,100 canceled on Christmas. It was just horrifying to see Buffalo crippled that way. Buffalo truly has the expertise on dealing with a lot of bad things. And the people in Buffalo came together. You have people who took folks into their houses. You have people who opened up their stores, their restaurants, people who stood by and even found a way. A gentleman opened up a school building, churches that opened up, and hundreds of people were pulled off. But we have to really also look at Buffalo because they showed us things we didn't know about. What about that instrument, that equipment that can lift the car and put it into a good parking space instead of damaging or towing it away or pushing it with a crane? I mean... (laughs) Only Buffalo would come up with such excellent equipment. And it took days. It's going to take days. And if this is some other places in the U.S., it would have taken weeks. They're coming back. They're fighting back. The streets are clean and clear now so people can get around. Emergency services are back. But it was a hard toe and it was a tough Christmas for the people in Buffalo and in about 30 to 40 states all over the United States between freezing weather, ice, snow, power outages, and canceled flights. There are people who were looking at January before they got back to normal. Absolutely. And in addition to the flight cancellations, there were over 7,000 flights that were delayed. Now, the winter storm created a complete meltdown for one airline, and that was Southwest's airline. Stranded thousands of travelers and for days at a time, they had more than 60% of the canceled flights, canceled and delayed flights were attributed to Southwest and they just couldn't recover from the winter storm that canceled and delayed flights. And it really exposed some weaknesses that Southwest Airlines has. And the pilot associations, the flight attendant unions, they're all talking about why Southwest was so crippled after the winter storm and had its own meltdown. But I want you to share your experience because I flew out a week ahead, so I didn't experience any of that. But you certainly did because you were scheduled to fly on the day that most cancellations occurred, and that was December 23rd. Yes, and I even started looking the 22nd and there were flight cancellations. But by the time I woke up, On the 23rd, they had already canceled my regular scheduled flight. At that time, I found out it was not canceled because of weather. The flights around it were still going, but they just wanted to move passengers to other flights and get things done. The long and the short of it is it was not just weather. It was a situation where Southwest did not put in the most modern scheduling equipment. They don't know where their staff is from time to time. Their computerized system was down to a point where we literally were sitting there with flight attendants over 24 hours, flight attendants, pilots, and others trying to get to where their next flight was going to be because it was canceled. And Southwest didn't know where they were. We had to wait for our flight to come in. 
So we could take that crew when there was a half a dozen. By the time we took off, over a dozen flight crew members, pilots, flight attendants, flight officers, everybody wanting to get on the flight that we were on. And they were willing to work, but they weren't scheduled. Their scheduling system was not working. We heard all kinds of things that we got out on the runway. <laughs> we got de-iced and we got out on the runway and we were told to turn around. And I was sitting in the front and the captain was furious. And he said, basically, Dallas, Texas is telling Washington, D.C. to tell Chicago that we can't fly. It just didn't make any sense. So it has happened over and over again with tens of thousands of pieces of luggage in places like Denver, in Midway, in Chicago, in Washington, BWI. So it was a mess. It certainly was. So just to kind of give you an idea of how it transpired on December 23rd is that you were scheduled on a flight at 9.30 in the morning. You were then notified by the airline that that flight was canceled and you were put on a flight at 5.30 in the morning. Well, when you got to the airport, that flight had been canceled. All flights that day had been canceled. But they did say, okay, we can get you on one flight that is still operating, which is at 9.30 p.m. After staying at the airport all day, that flight didn't leave until 2.30 in the morning. And you finally arrived in D.C. at 4.30 in the morning. So that's pretty much how it went. But to kind of elaborate on what you're talking about, the meltdown really occurred because of an antiquated flight system that Southwest Airlines has, which meant that they really couldn't identify staff and or luggage getting it from place to place because their system just couldn't handle the stress of it. And they have been needing to upgrade their system for more than five years. Flight attendants and pilots have been complaining about it since 2015 and 2016. And they did not take the necessary measures to upgrade their system, which meant when they were hit with that winter storm, it took them days to catch up because they literally had a meltdown of crew that they couldn't locate to get them to the right places at the right time. That's true. If Southwest doesn't change their system, they're going to continue to have these issues. And they certainly don't want to lose the faith of their consumers or their customers and other airlines may be faced with the same problem. When I come back, we're going to have Javon's Travel Minute and 2022, a year in review. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Connect with me on social media and don't forget to join that travel club. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. It's always important to learn from mistakes and or mishaps following the winter storm of 2022 and airline meltdowns that left many stranded over the holidays. I compiled a list of a few tips to add to your traveler checklist to help you get through the tough moments and hopefully eliminate or minimize your travel woes. Lessons learned from 2022? Get an independent baggage tracker. Good Housekeeping listed the following as their top five pick. Best for overall luggage tracker is AirTag by Apple. Best value luggage tracker? Pro Bluetooth tracker by TilePro. 
best luggage tracker for Androids, GPS tracker, Land Air C, best luggage tracker for international travel, GPS tracker, Tracky, T-R-A-C-K-I, and best luggage tracking tag is stainless steel smart luggage ID tag, Dino tag. The other thing that you want to get is travel insurance. Now, this isn't new. This is always on my list, and I remind you of it time and time again when you think about some of the major things that just happened. For example, a young lady missed her own wedding because of the Southwest meltdown. Having travel insurance is peace of mind. The airline may not reimburse you for additional expenses like hotel accommodations, toiletries, and clothing, etc., And for example, our return flight was canceled on Southwest on December 28th, and they were going to delay us for more than three days. So I just purchased airline tickets on another airline and submitted my claim to the insurance company for reimbursement. So certainly it gives you peace of mind. And then lastly, download airline apps and sign up for alerts. Notifications come on the apps and via alerts first. So you can get these alerts by email and or text. This allows you to respond immediately and before the masses when you may need to rebook your flights. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. We always have to look back before we look forward, right? So we're going to look at 2022 in review and look at the stories, the trends, and the headlines that dominated in 2022. Gene Harley is still here with me, and COVID was still a thing. It's true. COVID is keeping its head up. We basically stopped calling it a pandemic. It's an endemic, and it's going to be here with us. But we saw that a lot of restrictions were lifted, so more people were out there getting out and traveling again, right? Yeah, well, the first quarter, they were still going very strong because remember, at the beginning of winter, the number of cases came back again. So we still had to get a negative test to travel to many places. Some places were very strict on whether or not you were vaccinated. But as the year went on, toward the end of the second quarter, as spring and summer travel started coming back, we started to see the COVID travel restrictions relax. And certainly by the third quarter, very few countries had any restrictions at all. That's when we really saw that some countries weren't asking for a mask or a negative test or even vaccinations. No proof of vaccination. A lot of countries opened up. Now, there still were and there still are a few countries that require that you get tested or that you may have to wear a mask in certain cities, or that you may have to show proof of vaccination. But you know, that number keeps going down every day. It certainly does. But let's talk about Omicron as it relates to COVID, because Omicron really made some impact that meant that there were staff shortages. And it brought focus to the serious worker shortage that would plague the travel industry throughout 2022, and it threatened to continue well into 2023, if not beyond. It's called the so-called Great Resignation. The Great Resignation was such an issue that by June, 
travel industry leaders at the U.S. Travel Association's largest conference warned that there were 1.5 million job openings in leisure and hospitality in the United States, and that increased staffing was critical to travel's rebound. And we had a few trips in Europe, and I saw the same thing in Europe with staff shortages. Yeah, that's true. All the way across the board. And the skilled positions are going to be the hardest ones to replace, not just airline pilots, but flight control people, people working in the engineering and other fields in hotels, trained staff members, but everything down all the way through from bell captains and bellmen all the way through to maids. I mean, roughly about 30% of that industry has disappeared there. There are people who are not coming back to those jobs because they were hit pretty hard with COVID. They certainly were. And a big industry shortage was the pilot shortage. Mm -hmm. Much of it was caused by the carrier's pandemic decisions to provide early retirement. And this was done so for several thousand pilots. And the industry has been suffering with the pilot shortage for at least 15 years. And this just compounded with that early retirement. And also the fact that most of the pilots that were out there were the baby boomers. These gentlemen and ladies who have been pilots for 20, 30, 40 years were looking at mandatory retirement. And most airlines in the industry, it's 65 years old. And these are good pilots out there. I'm speaking from that same age bracket where you're being told that you're not able or not going to be able to fly anymore. But they're not pulling them from the military anymore. So a lot of young people are not going into the industry because it costs too much to be a pilot. They had to open up schools. United and others are opening schools to train young pilots now. They certainly are. And one thing they did to combat this is asked some pilots to come back out of retirement and gave them some pretty decent bonuses to do so. We were also hit with high prices. All of the predictions of the pent-up demand for travel was definitely true. And there seemed to be no ceiling on what people were willing to pay in 2022. Airlines asked consumers for and got record airfares. In October, Skytra reported that within the United States and Canada, premium fares rocketed 36% compared with 2019 and the Consumer Price Index showed that September airfares were up 42.1% compared with the same month in 2021. But with the pent-up demand, people were willing to pay those rates. Talking about weather, there was another major event, which was Hurricane Ian. It, I think, was probably the biggest one since the pandemic that we really had to deal with. It was a Category 4 hurricane. Yeah, and Florida got hit very bad for that, and on both sides. Uh, can you believe it? The entire peninsula, starting with the Gulf of Mexico and coming all the way through and up as far as the eastern seaboard, saw a lockdown and loss of the supply chain and everything related to tourism, including cruise lines going in and out of Florida. The Spirit Saga, Spirit Airlines. Remember, there was the JetBlue, not Frontier, was the company poised to acquire Spirit Airlines. The turn of events began in February when Frontier and Spirit agreed to merge, promising strong consumer benefits from the marriage of the two ultra-low-cost carriers. But JetBlue suddenly pounced, making an unsolicited $3.6 billion offer for Spirit besting Frontier's $2.9 billion package. And after months of contentious back and forth, Frontier and Spirit withdrew 
their merger plan, paving the way for JetBlue's triumph. Yeah, it's going to be a situation where we're going to lose more and more opportunities. They'll be combining together. But we're still waiting for regulation to go through for this merger to take place with the yes. FAA. Yes. And hopefully JetBlue will bring some much needed positivity to Spirit Airlines. <laughs> Spirit Airlines still gets a lot of negative press. They are a no frills. And I know people, my niece won, you know, she flew in for the holidays and she said even having to pay for luggage, she still spent less than $200 for an airline ticket. Well, that's something good. And this was a last minute ticket purchase for the holidays. Yeah, even though they charge for seating, even though they charge for carry on baggage and everything else, if it came out cheaper, that's what a lot of folks are looking for. So it doesn't matter about the seat width or the room in the aisles or everything like that. But I've seen a few fights going on because people are still trying to sneak their luggage on board without paying for it. (laughs) (laughs) That too happened toward the end of the year. And then they refused to deplane or to pay for the luggage. And certainly a fight ensued on board. A lot of the agencies were overwhelmed and saw a lot of rapid growth going on also, right? They certainly did. Well, of course, we were hearing it over and over, pent up demand. You had people still trying to reschedule lost travel from 2020 and in some cases 2021. And so 2022 was like, I'm going regardless, whether I'm changing my plans, moving forward with my plans, I am going to travel. Coupled with the staff shortages, travel agencies were just overwhelmed because it surpassed sales from even 2019. Yes. And even the major airlines, I'm used to the fact that you're going to be on hold for about an hour or more if you try to book or rebook if you're not doing it online. And uh, also, a lot of people are trying to use those credits. Some of them died in December 31st of this year, most next year, but a lot of people want to use them this year. So there was a lot of backlog on phone calls trying to get hooked up using credits and just booking flights. Yeah. So show a little grace Mm -hmm. and maybe show a little appreciation for the customer service that you're looking for, because a lot of industries, the travel industry is no different customer service or service parts of that industry, they're just overwhelmed. And talking about being overwhelmed, agencies were overwhelmed, of course, but so too were the airlines. And we had what was dubbed the summer of chaos. And it certainly was. And very different than the winter storm that we had, which was just one particular event. And then, of course, for one airline that snowballed, but all of the airlines were really dealing with this. So when we say the summer of chaos, it was every airline. It was in the United States. It was in Europe. It was in Canada. And guess what, Gene? You too have a story about (laughs) that. But it was just an overwhelming experience for the airlines because They just did not have the staff to support the demand. And instead of scaling back the flights, they just tried to operate them all. But if you had one hiccup, it was a snowball effect, just like what Southwest was dealing with. Now, consider what Southwest Airlines was dealing with and multiplying that across all airlines in the U.S., in Europe, and in Canada. That's right. Cancellations all over the place, rerouting of flights all over the place. But like you said, mostly staffing. I had the privilege of coming back in by way of Canada 
and being told my luggage could not come in because there wasn't enough staff to offload it and then let us clear it and reload it for U.S. Customs. So the U.S. government was not going to let the luggage go with us. And our luggage didn't fly home. It was trucked back home and ended up. And this was true for my airport, I think 15,000 pieces of luggage, which we could see filling up a hall, but we couldn't touch it. And this was true all over the United States and all over the world. It certainly was. And I think for the first time that I can remember that you and I experienced flight delays and cancellations many times. That's right. And we had never had that before, but we were certainly spending many hours in airports due to flight delays and flight mm-hmm. cancellations. Airlines were really struggling again with pilot shortages. That's right. And they were also struggling with getting flight crew to cover flights and they were timing out. That's what was happening. So the airlines that did have the flight crew they were timing out because of all of the delays timing out for people though. So yes. Understand. And they were timing out for all of the delays and cancellations. So what that means is that they can only legally and by their union work so many hours. So if they have a flight delay and they're spending more time or more hours on the clock, they then time out, which means they cannot fly. And so now you have so many flight attendants or ground crew even that timed out and they didn't have as many backups there to fill in those spots. And so every aspect of the flight was affected from pilots to flight crew, ground crew. Now think about ground crew. You have your bags, you have your catering. And so all of this was interrupted. And so everyone was just saying, pack your patience in the summer of 2022. And it was certainly the summer of chaos because it wasn't just one airline. It was many airlines. And a lot of the big guys uh, worldwide, because they use a hub system, which basically is to help you get by that. You make sure you have staff in different places around the world. So when one area is locked down, unlike Southwest does point to point, you can still bring in other staff. There just was no other staff to bring in. I looked to TripAdvisor in the year in review to take a look at some of those travel trends and to see how much they held true. One of the things at the top of the list for a travel trend was relaxation and rejuvenation. And that certainly was true. A lot of travelers were looking to rest and relax and rejuvenate. 50% of travelers globally, that was their main purpose. The most popular searches were beach with 4.8 million searches, resort with 3.2 million searches, and spa that was searched 1.7 million times on TripAdvisor. Yeah, and a lot of travelers were looking for that wild and wonderful experience. So they were looking for places that they could go to to get them away from the ordinary to escape the daily routine. So travelers were looking for different destinations and activities. They weren't afraid to try new things. So the year in review saw 1,636 shark diving experiences that were booked, 16,563 zip lining tours booked, and 47,000 plus ghost and vampire tours. 
tours, tickets were sold. So that shows you there was a trend to take on new activities and new things. I guess after being locked down, we were ready for anything, right? Well, it was the hashtag YOLO. You only live (laughs) once. once. And it definitely held true. Now, trip planning was a major part of it. There were nearly 6.5 million new trips and itineraries that were created on the platform of TripAdvisor. And, you know, people were looking for those once in a lifetime trips. People loved big cities. Talking about Bangkok, they had more than 11 million and 43 million for London, England. So big city destinations were big on the list like Las Vegas and New York as well. Yeah, but they were also looking at those unique once-in-a-lifetime experiences. People were looking for things that, like taking a private day tour to the Giza Pyramids, uh, which we've done, and, or a sleigh ride in Finland, or you know, going to Memphis and Saqqara and visiting under the temples. These were things that people probably had on their lists or they watched on documentaries and television when they were locked down, and they wanted to experience it. Yeah. Hashtag YOLO. (laughs) And I think YOLO is still going strong for 2023, but it certainly held true for 2022. And you know what? I'd like to take a look at our own trip list for 2022, the destinations that we visited and what their interest was and how well those trips went. Dubai was at the top of the list and we went there three times. That's right. (laughs) But look what happened. The World Exposition, the World Expo took place in Dubai. It was delayed by a couple of years because of the COVID experience and everybody wanted to get there. It was great. It was crowded, but it wasn't too crowded. And I think everybody looked at it as one of these once in a lifetime. Number one, it's the World Exposition. Number two, it's Dubai and United Arab Emirates. I mean, what a great combination. So that was a great destination for all three. But you even expanded upon that even better because you included Maldives. Yes. After you and I had gone to the Maldives in 2021, uh, our travelers wanted to experience that in 2022. So we did it at the end of our Dubai trip or one of them. And yes, one of the best places ever. And Maldives actually was a destination that remained open during the pandemic. Uh, Because they're an island nation, in in many cases, one island, one resort. So it was very popular in 21. And of course, it carried over to 22. Yeah, it was like being in a bubble. It was excellent. Because once you were there, you were tested, and you had to show your vaccination. Those people on that island, I mean, I felt for that, were there the whole period. They never left. Even the people bringing us over were not allowed to come on shore. They could just let us off by plane, seaplane, or boat and you had a great time you could really enjoy yourself it's isolated but not crowded so it was perfect and no one of the places that we went to was one of their one island one resort resort, Mm -hmm. and did not allow island hopping you can now but then you could not island hop because they did want to create that bubble type of travel so that too was a term that we used a lot in 2022 that bubble travel that carried over from 2021 now you went back to one of our favorite destinations spain and you added a great additional destination that we both love also Yes. So we did Spain and Morocco in October. So by this time of the year, a lot of the travel protocols had been lifted. 
And even the United States had lifted their requirement to test to return to the United States. It's only still in effect for non-U.S. citizens. And they also require that you're vaccinated. But if you're a U.S. citizen, whether you're vaccinated or not, you do not have to get the negative test to return to the United States. So by October, that actually lifted in September. So we were quite lucky that we didn't have to do that. And Spain still had their negative test in place for those who were not vaccinated. And so did Morocco. But I can tell you from experience that they weren't really checking it. (laughs) And many places that we visited did not even have the mask mandate anymore. So we were at that time traveling free of COVID restrictions or protocols in Spain and in Morocco. Yeah, and you came right across from Gibraltar, right across by boat. So less restrictions going that direction anyway. But that's a great destination to go to. And it could be crowded, but I think it was pretty nice while you were there, right? It was very nice. But one of the things I do want to say about Spain (laughs) that was a great reminder to me is it's a walking destination, not city, because Mm -hmm. we visited many cities. But when I say to you, it is a walking destination, many of the places that you will visit will be in old medieval towns and cobbled stone and lots of walking like Toledo and in Granada and in Cordoba, all of these places that we visited, there's lots of walking and there's Mm -hmm. lots of steps and you don't really have the ADA. So if you're not in shape, If you cannot walk distances or you need a walker Mm -hmm. or if you need a walker, even you have to really rethink Spain. It was pretty tough for me, too. I'm not saying that you can't go to Spain, but you have to kind of re-envision it and understand how you're going to navigate it and do it in smaller pieces because it was a lot of walking and quite a few of our travelers really struggled. And that's true of a lot of medieval places in Europe. Another place that's great and beautiful, but you're going to walk a lot, is Italy. Yes, we did have a client trip there, so it wasn't open to the public, but we did visit Italy. I will say, and I have to say this because I have to be honest about my opinions of destinations and my experiences of destinations. For the first time that I've ever traveled to Italy, and I have traveled to Italy many times, I faced racial bias and our entire group did. And I'll give you specific incidents, which were one, we were at the Coliseum. There were many groups there, many of which I could tell were student groups. We were the only black group that I could see. I'm not saying we were the only ones there, but we were the only one that I could see at that point in time. And our guides were stopped and their credentials were checked. And it wasn't just a matter of show your card. We were brought over to a vehicle where they put their credentials in their computer and we were detained for about 40 minutes and we were not allowed to continue until our guides credentials were verified. The second incident was on board the train. We were taking the train from Florence to Naples and police officers boarded the train, came into our car and then proceeded to ask us for identification. I have never, never been Mm -hmm. asked for identification on the many times that I have taken a train within Italy or within all of Europe. They only ask for your ticket. Yes. And that's it. We were asked for 
identification. And the identification was asked for at a separate time and from the police officers, not the person who checks the tickets. So that was very disheartening. And then many of our travelers reported to me that they were discriminated against at the shops and they did a lot of shopping. Mm -hmm. So I was very, very displeased with that. I don't know what's happening in Italy right now, but we experienced it more times than I had ever experienced it before. And all of my travels, to be honest with you. Yes. I hope this changes because Italy is one of my favorite destinations. And we went into Rome, which I love. We then went to Florence, which I love. And we also went to Naples. And then I finished up in Milan. So I hope that it certainly gets better. And we went to Ghana. Oh, yes. And Ghana is uh, one of the top destinations in West Africa and really a home for a lot of African-Americans, especially since 2019. So it's a lot of history there. It is not required to do a lot of walking, but the enslavement castles, they are a great place to visit. And it's very, very emotional. I've taken several groups there this year, and we had some great times there. Beautiful beaches, beautiful people, and it's lovely to be back there. Only 45-minute flight away to Liberia, a nation founded by African-Americans, African-Caribbean people, people of African descent who came back. Now, yes, there were already people there, and that's a vital part we always need to understand. It wasn't colonization, but we came back and set up our own nation back in the turn of the beginning of the 1800s, and uh, they celebrated their 200th anniversary last year. So it's great to go to Liberia and to Ghana. West Africa is always welcoming. And it's where most of us are from here in the United States and in the Americas. Yeah, Liberia, that was the first for us ever. Mm -hmm. Very interesting destination and maybe one that we'll see in the near future. We went to Egypt twice. And then, of course, we finally returned to Fiji. Fiji. Oh, I love Fiji. And of course, we did it the way we love to do it. It was our isolated bubble on our own ship traveling from island to island. Many times the island's unpopulated, and we basically still had the opportunity to visit schools, churches, enjoy church service with the people, great entertainment, and a lot of fun with our all-Fijian crew. So it was a black-on-black party every night. Yes. So make sure, again, you join the Travel Club so that you can see where we're going in 2023 and in 2024. When I come back, I'll have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you check out that website. It's travelingculturati.com. And make sure you join the Travel Club because we're going to some fantastic places in 2023 and in 2024. We want to make sure that you're the first to know when we're on the go. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, food, music, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report on New Year's resolutions. Yes, it's that time of year where we all reflect and look back on the past year or years and we look toward the future. We look for what the new year 
will bring. New Year's resolutions, something that's been around for a very, very long time. But, you know, it's mostly a Western tradition. In Western cultures, making New Year's resolutions (laughs) and failing to keep them is a long-running tradition that's also become almost of a joke. Some people do it, some people don't, especially since those of us who don't keep them. January is typically the month that we are very strong and resilient with our New Year's resolutions. But by February, they start to fall off and we kind of go back into our regular habits. Just a bit of a sidebar. I read somewhere that it's harder to make a change than it is to start something new. And whether it's change or something new, it takes at least 30 days of that habit to make it stick a little bit more. So if you're falling off about week one or two, uh, you're pretty much doomed to fail at keeping that New Year's resolution. So why don't we just start out the new year with something a little bit lighter and maybe taking some notes from people around the world. (laughs) So let's talk about how New Year's resolutions started, possibly with the ancient Babylonians about 4,000 years ago. They celebrated the New Year on the first new moon after the spring equinox. They called it Akitu, and it was a major festival that lasted 11 days. During the festival, the Babylonians made New Year's resolutions to keep themselves in good standing with the gods. Now, that didn't mention kale juice or anything like that. But certainly, they wanted to get out of debt or return borrowed farm equipment. This was, of course, of the time. I think getting out of debt is one that stays on the top of the list today. In fact, the resolution-making people historians have found are also the first recorded people to celebrate a new year at all, the Babylonians. During a 12-day festival at the start of planting season in mid-March, the Babylonians would make promises to their gods, which were usually about returning those objects, as I mentioned before, to their rightful owner. Moving closer to the present, the Romans set the start of the new year on January 1. Originally, the Romans had marked March 1 as the start of the new year that was similar to the Babylonians. But sometime around 46 BCE, it was moved back a few months to take place in January. Part of the reason is the month is named after the Roman god Janus, a two-faced god who looked back at the past year and forward to the new one. It was fitting, of course, that a New Year's Day, Romans made promises to Janus that would behave well into the new year. Isn't history fun? So while New Year's Day is not technically a Christian holiday, it didn't stop 18th century Christians from holding mass in celebration of it. Some branches of the church held mass on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day to allow their parishioners to think back on the past year and to resolve to do better in the new one. All of these traditions mentioned so far are religious, but this aspect has since gone away from New Year's resolutions. Now, resolutions usually made to one's self. Of course, that means the only one you're accountable to is you. Now, if you write 
your New Year's resolutions? You can thank a Protestant for that. A 1951 study by socialist Isidore Thorner found that the practice of making New Year's resolutions was more common in countries with a strong Protestant influence. For example, in 1951, New Year's resolutions were thought of as a tradition in countries like Australia, England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and South Africa. Meanwhile, in Latin American, Scandinavian, Asian, and Eastern European countries, they didn't recognize the tradition at all. According to a write-up on the other psychologists, the tradition lost its religious connotations as it spread. Now, although most societies have resolved to reform themselves in one way or another, Protestant values of lifelong emotional discipline, as well as an attempt to live up to rigorous standards, have influenced the spread of New Year's resolutions amongst Protestant nations. From there, cultural diffusion of this tradition spread out to other nations. And over time, as Protestant cultures became more secular, this tradition took on a more jovial tone and eventually lost its religious connotation. Most people don't keep their resolutions, as I mentioned before. So, yeah, it becomes very hard. I think we're a little too zealous or over-aggressive with our wants and needs. So we should certainly try to be a little bit more modest about it. According to the University of Scranton, only 8% of those who make New Year's resolutions actually keep them. 8%. Wow. So what about how culture affects New Year's resolutions? How much does culture affect the New Year's resolutions that you choose? A 1977 study that compared New Year's resolutions from middle-class American children with Amish children found that the Amish children tended to focus on activities that would help them achieve their goals. Middle-class American children tended to focus on results. So an Amish child might resolve to study more while an American child might plan to make straight A's. So of course, the real question that's left is, was this a meaningless semantic difference or are the Amish any better at keeping resolutions than the rest of us? Maybe it's really just the way in which we look at the resolutions to do more of what we're already doing or to do something that we haven't been doing in the past. Could be a reason why only 8% of those who are making resolutions keep them. So New Year resolutions will certainly vary around the world, or at least the conclusion drawn from a 2013 Google Maps project called Zeitgeist. Internet users from around the world were invited to share their resolutions. Then Google mapped them out and analyzed them, breaking them down into the following categories. They are health, love, career, finance, and education. So looking at the map, health-related resolutions predominated in the U.S. and in Egypt. Visitors from Australia and Japan were looking for love. And in Russia, meanwhile, education was the top priority. And in India, it was career goals. Now, this was back in 2013. The top New Year's resolutions in 2022 going into 2023 are to exercise more. I think that one stays on the list. To lose weight, that one too stays on the list. To get organized, to learn a new skill or hobby. To live life to the fullest, I think 
that one has been, you know, since the pandemic 2020, YOLO, right? (laughs) Save more money and spend less money to quit smoking, to spend more time with family and friends, to travel more, one of my favorites, and to read more. So let's take a look at and comparison with the United States and just a few other countries, for example, in the United States, resolutions are really part of our culture. Along with that comes another great American tradition that we said is just giving up. Yeah, it's in America that only 8% of individuals actually keep their New Year's resolutions exercising more, reading more, spending more time with family, learning something new. The one thing that unites almost all of them is that it's meant for self-improvement and personal advancement. Let's look at Colombia, for example. Resolutions directly translated into Spanish would be resoluciones, resoluciones, but it's really tied into wishes and into bringing in the new year. So 12 grapes or 12 wishes, one grape at a time. And it's not really resoluciones that the Colombians look for is deseos, deseos or wishes that are made. So these 12 wishes in total or seven, depending on the person's traditions. And it probably came over from Spain as they too do the 12 grapes. Their wishes are nothing like the resolutions as understood by Americans. So for example, they wouldn't wish to eat healthier, but instead wish for good health in the new year. If Colombians want a bountiful year, they would fill their pockets with lentils on New Year's. If instead they wanted to travel, they can take their suitcase around the block at midnight. Some even write their wishes down on a piece of paper and carry it with them throughout the year. The year ends with them burning their wish on December 31st and making new ones. I actually like that because at least you go back and think about what you wished for in the previous year. One, to see if you actually did it, but also, okay, let's start fresh with some new ones and putting that down on a piece of paper, keeping it in your wallet or your pocket and carrying it around with you at all times would certainly help. In Italy, for example, they have what is translated in English as good intentions or buoni propositi, good intentions. They too eat black-eyed peas, fatty pork, which the fatty pork is supposed to fatten their wallets, and the black-eyed peas are for good fortune or for good luck. I certainly ate my black-eyed peas and greens as we do here in the United States. So just to give you some comparisons on how different cultures celebrate the new year and making New Year's resolutions. So what about you? Did you make a New Year's resolution? If so, I hope it included more travel. Happy New Year again. Until next week. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information.